You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I know that a lot of my listeners aren't gay. I know that most of my listeners aren't gay or lesbian or bi-trans. Uh, most of you are straight and I apologize that it seems like sometimes when I sit down and listen to the shows, which I've actually started to do, uh, like a lot of the opening talks are really, 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 really gay and really, really, really about gay shit. And even when there's you know some low-hanging fruit out there that I probably should talk about, like Rick Santorum saying that uh, women who've been raped and impregnated by their rapist should regard their rape baby as a gift from God. Uh, I, I should probably talk about that. But then, you know, I'm talking about Rick Santorum and his gay thing and my gay thing with him and our gay thing with each other and it just gets very gay. Uh, and so I was kind of thinking about that today and feeling really self-conscious about what I wanted to talk about at the top of the show because it really is the gayest thing I think I've ever brought up. And, and that's, you know, saying something on a show where we spend a great deal of time crawling up your asses. Uh, we spend a great deal of time talking about you know, the frothy mix of lube and fecal matter that's sometimes a byproduct of anal sex and the Catholic Church and the Pope thinking all straight men are going to turn into cocksuckers if some men can marry other men because they're gay. Uh, and this is really, you know, I think a new low. I think where we're going to start today is a shocking new low, even for us uh, on the, the gayness factor. So Terry and I were in New York last week for a whole week and we went to see Anything Goes at the Sondheim with Sutton Foster and it was so amazing. It was so great. Uh, anyone out there who can hear my voice right now and is in or near or can get to New York City really needs to go see this production of Anything Goes. A-S-A-fucking-P. It is amazing and you know the, the title number – just go see this show. And, and one of the reasons I want to encourage you to go see it besides Sutton Foster who is amazing – Amazing. She is in New York uh, on Broadway, a huge star, and most Americans have never heard of her. Uh, that's that peculiar kind of Broadway parallel universe stardom uh, that some folks achieve. Sutton Foster is a, a, a huge star, and she's amazing. She may be the best Reno Sweeney. I told you this was going to be the gayest shit ever at the top of the show. Best Reno Sweeney ever. But there was something about the chorus boys. <laughs> you know, I've talked in the past about, you know, gay men and our thing with sailors and we talk about sailors, but I live in a port city and every once in a while it's fleet week or whatever around here, uh, HPV week, and the, the ships pull in and the sailors pour off and whatever kind of Tom of Finland image of sailors you were carrying around in your head from masturbating a lot when you were 15 years old and you found a Tom of Finland collection online uh, – is completely obliterated by actually encountering sailors pouring off ships, uh, because God, you know, God bless them, and you know they're serving their country, and some of them are gay now and out now, which is amazing. Um, but you know, six months, a year, eighteen months, uh, floating around the Pacific Ocean in a tin can without a lot of daylight, not a lot to do, and not a lot of exercise, um, they're really not at their best when they pour off the ships. They're a little sallow, a little pasty, and uh, they're. You know, kind of polyester sailor pants aren't flattering. They're, there's some visible panty line action going on. Uh, it just isn't what you'd hope. Anybody out there who has a thing for sailors, 
and what they can be and the Tom of Finland sort of sailor ideal, that sailor butt in the perfectly tailored crisp white linen sailor pants, you have got to get to New York City and see Anything Goes. The asses on display in Anything Goes, the chorus boys, holy fucking Worth the price of admission. And then Sutton Foster on top of that. Oh, my God. I would have seen the show with, you know, a crate of oranges playing Reno Sweeney and those butts. To see the show with Sutton Foster playing Reno Sweeney and those butts in the Sondheim. It's like died and went to fag heaven last week in New York City. Told you it was going to get gay today. Your calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. This Valentine's Day, ExtremeRestraints.com would like to remind you that nothing says love like exploring your partner's kinks. Flowers may wilt, but some kinky new toys can change your sex life forever. Save an extra 10% extremerestraints.com with coupon code GGG. Double that GGG discount if you use it by Valentine's Day. Hi, Dan. I am a 32-year-old female from the Northwest, and I have been having casual sex with a male friend of mine for the past seven years. It's really great. We have a wonderful time together. We see each other about three times a year, and there is actually one problem, of course, One of my very best friends lives in the same area as him, and from time to time, they'll get together and go see a concert and have a couple drinks. He'll invite her back to his house, where she'll sleep in his bed, and they cuddle. And the first time that she brought this to my attention, uh, I became really uncomfortable, and I asked her not to do that again, uh, assuming that there might be the potential for them to hook up, and that would create a confusing dynamic between the three of us. Um, But a year later, she told me, which was this past Thanksgiving, that they had been cuddling again. And I confronted both of them and asked them if they had hooked up with one another, and both of them became very self-defensive and denied it. Um, And I am kind of between a cock and a hard place, or excuse me, a rock and a hard place. I don't know who to believe here. Um, and I kind of like your advice and, um, see what you think about the situation. Um, when I confronted them, I told them, Hey, your dynamic with him changes my dynamic with him. And I would like it if you would not do that. And, uh, my question to you is, is there a society of people that are just getting together drunk and cuddling and not having sex with any sexual tension? Um, and am I out of line by asking her, not to cuddle with him because of my dynamic with him. Um, Because I've expressed to both of them, hey, you guys, this makes me feel uncomfortable. And they say, hey, hey, it's just cuddling, it's just cuddling. And even though it's not a big deal to them, it's a big deal to me, and it kind of hurts my feelings, but I don't want to seem like a jealous bitch. So I'd really like to know what you think, and uh, should I keep sleeping with this guy? 
you don't seem like a jealous bitch to me. Uh, you know, jealousy is normal. It's natural. We all feel it. Even people in long-term committed relationships feel jealousy. Even people in open relationships feel jealousy. Uh, so it's not that you're a jealous bitch. It's that you're a crazy bitch. It's that you're an irrational bitch. You have a casual, non-committed relationship with this person. You say you hook up with him or see him three times a year. So, you know, I'm just doing the math here on the back of a napkin. There are 365 days of the year, three times a year with you. That leaves 362 days a year that he ain't with you. And for you to feel that those three nights a year in a casual, non-committed sexual relationship, ongoing, casual, committed sort of fuck buddy situation gives you the right to veto his other pursuits, other sexual interests. You don't mention it, but I assume that you have other sex partners that he's not the only person you sleep with three times a year. That's what I would infer when you say that this relationship is casual uh, and sexual. You know, it just it isn't it isn't cool. It isn't kosher for you to be so controlling. If you you know, but it's fine for you to be jealous. If hearing about this, if hearing about them cuddling, if knowing that when they go to shows, they tend to maybe even hook up and fuck too, which is completely within their rights. If you and this guy don't have a committed, exclusive sexual relationship, if hearing about it makes you, you know, brings out that green-eyed monster that's in every one of us, tell them not to tell you about it. Tell them you don't want to hear about it. You don't have a right to say to this woman or this man – because I fuck you three times a year, you know, casually, non-exclusively, uh, you two can't cuddle on the sofa after you see a movie or go to a concert. Um, you can feel that. You can wish that. You can you know, struggle to tamp that down when you're being irrational and irrationally jealous. But you really can't impose that on them or expect them to toe that line unless you're willing to proudly wear the mantle of crazy, irrational, controlling bitch. Hi, Dan. I am a middle school teacher in a smallish town in the Pacific Northwest. In my classroom, there are two words that are never allowed to be used incorrectly. Those two words are retarded and gay. I go on a tirade whenever I hear either of those words used incorrectly and um, often just tell all my students exactly why those words shouldn't be used um, incorrectly. However, in doing this a couple weeks ago, I happened to catch the eye when I was going on a tirade, and the students always are um, understanding and willing to listen and, and often and always change their ways after my tirade. Um, but in doing this tirade, going off of the word, uh, using the word gay incorrectly, I caught the eye of a student who I uh, assume is gay, but is not out. And he looked like um, he was just about ready, just mortified. And I kind of felt terrible about it because um, I sh I'm sure he felt like all eyes were on him, although they weren't, and no one knew. No one, you know, assumed that other than me, maybe. Um, anyways, just didn't know how to handle that um, in my classroom, and is it okay for me, and I think it is, to be telling students that they shouldn't be using the word gay incorrectly? You're doing everything right. Um, you know, kids go through middle school and high school in an almost perpetual state of mortification. Even the straight kids are almost constantly mortified. The eye-catching moment of mortification, it could have been a coincidence. It could have been about him being gay. Uh, he could have been mortified at that moment uh, and it had nothing to do with his gayness. Particularly, he's just having a moment of random mortification. Uh, and he could be straight and mortified momentarily. But you're absolutely doing the right thing uh, by standing up for him at that moment. You know, I know that when I was a closeted kid in middle school and high school, 
whenever the issue came up, I got very tense because I felt like just it's being raised uh, risked somehow drawing attention to my homosexuality. Uh, maybe he's being picked on or bullied by other kids in the school because of his sexuality. You could reach out to him gently, subtly. Uh, maybe with another teacher present, just to say, you know, if there's, a, if, you know, you looked upset the other day. Don't say when I was saying the word "gay, gay, gay" over and over again. You looked upset the other day. If there's anything ever you want to talk about, feel free. My, you know, my door's open. That's all you have to say. Very neutral. Don't say, "Hey, you're gay," right? Um, but otherwise, yeah, you're absolutely, I think, doing the right thing. And I think you know you're doing the right thing. Uh, and I want you to continue to do that right thing. And remember. Uh, when you stick up for you know decent behavior for an environment in schools that where the gay kids aren't being bullied, it's not just the kids that you can tell are gay or suspect are gay who are gay. Uh, there may have been a kid on the other side of the room who everyone perceives as straight, who's much better at masking his feelings, um, you know, much better at not appearing to be mortified when the subject uh, comes up, who took comfort and hope uh, from your actions too. It's not just for the obviously gay kids or the outed kids uh, creating a safe environment in schools. It's also for the kids that no one would suspect. Uh, they're often sometimes more isolated than the kids who are suspected. So doing the right thing, keep it up. You can make this Valentine's Day one you'll both never forget with this amazing offer from adamandeve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you'll receive 50% off just about any item. Just go to adamandeve.com and you'll find over 18,000 adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seemingly endless selection of adult DVDs. And there's more. With every order, you'll receive their romance kit free. Their romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus a free adult DVD to put you in the mood. And that's not all. They will also throw in free shipping on your entire order. So go check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's Day offer. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter offer code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E. That's SAVAGE at adamandeve.com. Hi, Dan. My name's Courtney. I'm a queer 23-year-old female in the Midwest. I've been listening to your show for about six months, and I... I've been really interested in all your conversations about monogamy. I believe in monogamy, and I know that you um, personally don't um, believe in monogamy, and you talk to a lot of people who don't as well, but I'm, I'm just not sure what your opinions are. Do you believe that other people can follow monogamy? And specifically because I'm gay and in the queer community, I think it's you know a better to be radical and maybe not um, follow the norm of monogamy. But I, I mean, I just, that's what I want to strive for, and that's what I believe in for my long-term future. Do you think, even if you don't believe in monogamy for yourself, do you think that it's possible and um, for other people? I guess I just am looking for a little reassurance that my kind of traditional view of a long-term relationship with one person is not crazy. You are not crazy. There are people out there who are monogamous, who are in successful long-term monogamous relationships where both people are actually being monogamous. They aren't the second Mrs. Gingrich who thought she was in a monogamous relationship and then discovered when Newt came and asked her for an open marriage that she had been in an open marriage for six fucking years, six years while Newt was fucking his devoutly Catholic mistress, Callista. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I, I've never argued that monogamy is impossible or that people shouldn't if that's what they want, if that's what makes them happy and feel secure, that they should totally go for it. You want a monogamous commitment? That's the way you picture 
your future, you know, love relationship, your future long-term relationship as sexually exclusive, absolutely go for what you want. And congratulations, you're a lesbian. Studies show uh, gay male couples least likely to be monogamous. Uh, heterosexual couples a little more likely to be monogamous. The most likely to be monogamous? Female couples, lesbian couples. And why is this? Is it because lesbians are magic? No, it's because lesbians aren't men and they're not in relationships with men. Men are the problem very often, not uh, not always when it comes to monogamy. Callista was a problem for monogamy and she has a vagina, presumably. So you're going to have perhaps an easier hoe to row. Uh, than a woman who wanted to be with a man. All I think, you know, when you talk about the queer community and the dialogue about monogamy in the queer community, I think what what you're you're misidentifying something. You know, to be gay is to tell the truth about yourself sexually. Um, you can't. You have to be realistic and you have to you know be open and honest and kind of cut through the bullshit and be who you really are. I think that you know sets us to a default mode where we just kind of. Tell the truth and where we approach our sexual orientation and our desires very realistically and with a dispassionate eye trained on what works and you know, what works as being gay, what works as being out, what works as living with some integrity and for us, for those of us who aren't monogamous, we're already telling the truth about our sexual orientation and why not tell the truth about that too? Uh, but your truth is you want monogamy. Go for it. Just be realistic about what it will mean if – your feelings change. I get letters every day from people who have been in long-term monogamous relationship and circumstances have changed in a way where they've opened the relationship, uh, hopefully, you know, honestly and with their partner's consent, mutual consent. But they've shifted into some, you know, allowance, some accommodation where what was strictly 100% sexually exclusive is now 90% sexually exclusive or as I like to call it, monogamish a me. Uh, so just because it's what you want at the outset doesn't mean it's what you'll want all your life or have all your life. But I definitely think it exists. People can do it. People do it every day. And if it's what you want and it's what you picture for yourself, I think you should absolutely positively put that out there and go for it. This Valentine's Day, ExtremeRestraints.com would like to remind you that nothing says love like exploring your partner's kinks. Flowers wilt, but a kinky new toy can change your sex life forever. Extreme Restraints is a huge selection of gear to inspire your sexual desires, including bondage gear, electrosex, fucking machines, chastity devices, strap-ons, and even vibrators. Save an extra 10% at ExtremeRestraints.com with the coupon code GGG. Double that GGG discount if you use it by Valentine's Day. Hi, Dan. I'm a bisexual 30-year-old in a big city. For the past couple of months, I've been working as a topless maid, and I find that I enjoy it because I'm a bit of an exhibitionist, and I've always enjoyed cleaning, and now I do it topless and sometimes naked. Um, my clients generally sit and talk to me and Google my breasts, and occasionally they masturbate while watching me, which is fine, and sometimes even a bit of a turn-on, though I've never had sex with any of my clients. Um I'm in a committed relationship with a woman who's very supportive of what I do. A few days ago, I booked an appointment for a midday cleaning with a man where it was kind of understood that he'd be watching me with his pants down. Um, he called me about two hours before I was about to clean his house, saying that he had to cancel the appointment because, quote, the missus was coming home early. Um, this struck a chord with me. I'm not so naive as to believe that 100% of my clients have been single, I'm a pretty sex-positive person. I don't believe that monogamy is for everyone. And I know that what I would be doing with this guy wouldn't be sex, but I would be helping him in a kind of deception and um, 
I don't think I'm cool with that. A couple of years ago, my father left my mother for another woman, and I myself had had some experiences with an unfaithful significant other, and I can still remember the pain of that. While I understand that it's not my fault that this man is sneaking around on his wife, I still don't like the idea of being his accomplice. My question is, do I, as a sex worker, even have a right to bring that up? Is this something that a sex worker can even do, or is expecting to find only single clients or clients with open-minded partners unrealistic of me? My other question is about safety, and this is with regards to uh, masseuses and escorts and the like who go to other clients' homes. Um, I generally let my clients know that even though I'm discreet, for my safety, I do pass the details of each gig to someone I trust, and in this case, my girlfriend. She also drives me to clients' homes the first time, and we, with each gig, I call her when I arrive and when I leave. She does get very nervous when I forget to call. Once she drove an hour out of with no friend in tow to make sure that I was okay when she didn't receive my text that I'd arrived, and it turned out to be a phone glitch, but she didn't know that. Anyway, um, so uh, what else can I do to increase my safety? First, to get your second question out of the way, it sounds like you're doing everything right about protecting yourself, about safety, letting your client know that somebody knows where you are, that you're calling someone when you arrive, calling someone as soon as you leave, having their, you know, going Mm -hmm. to their houses all by itself is kind of a protection. You know, the general, Mm -hmm. you know, idea about, you know, safety for sex workers is he's less likely to murder you in his own house than in your house. So, Because, you know, if he murders you at your, your house, he just has to leave to dispose of the body. But if he murders him at you at his own house, there's a big problem, uh, your corpse. All very dark things you don't want to think about when you're off to clean somebody's house. Topless. Right. Um, but as long as you've got their real names, real addresses, real phone numbers, you make sure that your partner has that information so that if you don't turn up and, you know, shame on you for not calling right away. If I was your partner, I'd, I'd lose my mind when that call didn't come. <laughs> That's... um. That's what she said to me. She said, imagine, imagine what I'm thinking right now, um, not knowing where, where, where you are or what you're doing. <laughs> I, I, was, I was very apologetic. Yeah, I have the worst case scenario gene. I got it from my mother. Uh, it's a dominant gene, which means when Terry doesn't come home uh, and he's 10 minutes late, I'm convinced that he's dead and smeared across uh-huh. the highway somewhere. So if you were my partner and you didn't call for half an hour or an hour or two after <laughs> seeing a client um, – I would kill you when you got home. She showed up with him, uh, with our neighbor, and a gun, um, just in case. And it, she, obviously, she didn't use it, um, and, but she she was prepared to to do some to employ some, a, uh, a Second Amendment solution to uh, what ultimately wasn't a problem. As for your concerns around whether you're doing something that somebody's wife would not approve of. You know, I don't know how you control for that. My default assumption, uh, if I was in your line of work, would be most of the men I'm seeing are married and I am uh-huh. uh, filling some gap for them erotically uh, that helps them stay married. Uh-huh. You know, they, they have this desire for a variety, desire for new experiences. At least you know w- with you that there's no physical contact. There's no – you know, I'm not saying that you have a sexually transmitted infection or that any or all sex workers do, but he could know that he he would know that you did or didn't. So, you know, at least with you, there's no he's not also incurring the risk, you know, the conscious risk of having physical contact with you and then turning around having physical contact with his wife and passing along a sexually transmitted infection. So, yours is kind yeah. of the most ethical sort of living porn sex work. I just I, I've I've known I guess I've known what it's like to have 
to find out that somebody is being was dishonest to me, and I was mad. I was I was mad at my uh, my then significant other, but I was also mad at this other woman. And I thought to myself, I never want to be in that position where I'm the other woman. And I know, in a sense, I'm not actually touching them, so it's not exactly the same. But I do feel as if um, okay, but I, I don't. I wouldn't want to be in their place if they found out is what I'm saying. Well, then you have to stop doing what you're doing because there's literally no way to avoid that circumstance. And if you were making pornography instead of, you know, if you were doing live webcam shows or appearing in pornography, the odds that Uh you are being watched by men whose wives would object and feel offended, betrayed, hurt, lied to when they caught them and as they inevitably do with the porn, uh, just as high. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this is an occupational hazard, um, and it's ultimately not your responsibility. You know, the degree of honesty or openness or disclosure in their relationship. But if you can't handle being party to any deception and being a prop mm-hmm. in you know that deception, you sh- you can't do what you're doing now. You can't make the money you're mm-hmm. making now doing what you're doing now. It's the only mm-hmm. way to avoid it. I see. You could ask these guys. You know, I need to hear you say that you're single or your wife's okay with this before I come over and they will dutifully lie to you (laughs) and then and then you can be one of the deceived if that makes you feel better to have that out not really but it's the only way out Um, and I you know it just the world it gets too cut and dried where people go okay so you can't you know if you're party to deception you're a bad person and you're inflicting the same sort of emotional sort of harm on these women that was inflicted on you by your SO who cheated and lied to you and deceived you and betrayed mm -hmm. you monogamous behavior for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Sometimes people do things around the edges, in the margins, uh, for some erotic mm-hmm. release, for some variety. And it's that gray area, the other, you know, my wife wouldn't like it or my husband wouldn't like it, but me doing this allows me to stay, you know, the, the greater good of the, you know, the whole relationship as opposed to full disclosure, complete honesty all the time. You know, I talk to friends who are sex workers who have clients uh-huh. who – you know, the wife won't spank them, right? The wife won't uh-huh. spank the dude. And yeah. she thinks it's this minor issue, shouldn't matter. He should be able to live without it. It's just a spanking. It's just a kink. Um, and it's certainly not uh-huh. as important as they love. And what he knows is if he doesn't do this, he's going to lose his fucking mind and he's going to divorce her. He's going to mm-hmm. go get it elsewhere. And so instead yeah. of divorcing her and killing his you know, kids' souls by walking out on mom over a spanking – he sees a pro dom every once in a while in another city and scratches this yeah. itch, gets it out of his system, and then is able to stay in this relationship, stay married. I think my friend, the pro dom, is doing that woman, that wife, a favor. Uh huh. I um, I, I've I've described it to a friend as um, kind of like they're watching porn, but it's interactive and they're half as clean. <laughs> and I'm sure their wives <laughs> appreciate that in the end. <laughs> They come home and he's not pestering her for sex, and the floor is has been swept. What's no, you know, what's uh, what's not to love about that? Except for the and, lies, and the deception, of, and the betrayal, and the money going out the door. Yeah, and I, and I kind of I get off on it a little bit too myself. Um, there's I, I like I I've come to find out that I like um, being watched or objectified just for I guess within my own. Um, within that context. 
Here's and the then thing. I go home to my girlfriend and fuck the shit out of her. Hunky-dory. Right. Yeah. Here, and, and we've done that a couple of times, actually. Here's the solution. Here's the long-term solution. If you want to keep doing this, if you need the money, um, and you, you probably do. It's probably what got you into it. Great that you found that it works for you on some level sexually. cranks you up for the girlfriend. Here's what you do. My friends who are sex workers, they get to know their clients over time. They build up a regular client base. You can weed out the guys where you feel like your party to clients kind of a squicky uh, deception that may destroy the marriage if it should come out. You know, what if the wife had yeah. walked in? You ca- if you keep yeah. seeing guys regularly, uh, you can uh-huh. get to know them better, you know, do a little bit of discovery, chit-chatting, and then drop the clients where you don't feel good about continuing to see them. And eventually uh-huh. you'll have a stable of regular clients who are single guys or guys whose wives or girlfriends – don't give a shit. Gotcha. Um, and that's actually that's been the case with a couple of them. I've, I've, this is I haven't been in it long enough, um, but I have had a few repeats who've expressed further interest in coming back. Well, there you go. You're on your way. Build up that regular client <laughs> base. Weed, you know, weed that garden until you're happy with every flower in it. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm happy with some of my flowers, definitely. <laughs> okay, and then and then and then keep going for it. But don't rule out, you know, just don't have a blanket policy ruling out every guy whose wife may not know or approve, because some of those guys need what you give them to stay with their mm-hmm. wives, to be loyal to, and, and that they found a way to have to scratch that itch without physical contact, with you know having this eroticized experience with you, this kind of glorified porn masturbatory session. Sure. On the scale of infidelities, that's a pretty minor one. It's more of a financial infidelity, in my opinion, particularly if a family is struggling. Okay? Gotcha. Oh, I appreciate your calling me. Sure thing. Good luck. Hey, Dan. Um, I have a question for you. I have a little bit of a problem, um, or I guess I don't know if it's a problem, depending on your perspective. But uh, I am staying with my sister for a couple of months. And um, she has a nanny who is of age, totally legal, uh, but um, the nanny is cute, great, fun. We get along great. And I think it's kind of getting on. And I don't know if it's kosher to soup your sister's nanny. Especially kind of such, have such a great relationship with the boys and stuff, but you know their signals happening, things are happening. I just want to know what to do about it. You know, if if it's kind of like a not okay to with the nanny, especially because I'm only in town for a couple of months. Anyway, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Bye. Yeah, duh. Nannies have her sex lives too. Nannies have private lives. Uh, since you're only there for a couple of months, it's not like if the relationship goes south or it's unpleasant that you're going to destroy this woman's ability to continue to work in your sister's home. Uh, and you guys might want to have a conversation about that. I'm assuming here that this nanny is an adult and that she wants to fuck you. Uh, but you're saying she's sending the signals and young people fuck each other. That's what young people are there for. So have a conversation with her and say, I don't want to, uh, you know, you know, let it move in that direction. And at some point say, yeah, let's totally fucking do this. I'm into you. You're into me. I'm only here a couple of months. Uh, so it can't be anything long term. And if we mess around a little bit and it doesn't work out and we want to stop, no hard feelings. Don't want to queer your work environment. Don't want to ruin your relationship with my sister. Uh, 
But she has a right to a private life, your nanny, as do you. And I don't think that you, either of you, if you're adults, are obligated to run this through your sister's kidneys before you fuck the living shit out of each other. So have fun. Hi, Dan. Um, my name is Scott. and I'm a 21-year-old queer male. Um, basically, when I say queer, that means I have unique attractions by which my body, I feel, is attracted to men. Um, but emotionally... I feel like I'm attracted to women. Um, for example, um, I've only had sex with men, but I've never had um, a relationship where I felt emotionally validated and uh, benefited with a man that I have with women, um, but the physical attraction wasn't there as much. Um, have you met anyone like this? Is this a thing? I've, I've considered that um, possibly there's a stigma about being gay or whatever, and I'm not willing to accept it, but trying to look objectively at my history and, and my attraction, I feel that this is the case. Um, yeah, so I don't know. So anyway, so my problem is that I have a, a best friend who's a girl, and I love her a whole lot. Um, I feel like I could spend time with her. We have similar goals and similar standards. Um, she has not been very lucky in love, probably because she's usually attracted to gay guys, and she doesn't have the, the body type or whatever that a lot of the men um, find attractive around here. So I don't know what to do. I love her a lot. And um, I'm asking for your advice whether it'd be a good idea to maybe approach the subject of having um, a monogamish relationship with her where we're emotionally um, responsible to one another, but we both find sexual satisfaction outside the relationship. I think one factor is that we were both raised Mormon or LDS. And the heterosexual relationship is obviously a lot easier for our families and for the surrounding culture to accept. And they wouldn't have to necessarily know the private details, you know, of our sexual lives. So I don't know. Is this a valid possibility? Do, do these kind of relationships work? Or am I just fooling myself and should I wait until I find a man who can satisfy me emotionally as well as physically? I'm a supporter of companionate marriage. And I think it gets short shrift culturally. There are a lot of decent, loving, married couples out there where it's not about sex. It's about you know a desire to have children or a family or a really amazing friendship that's going to carry them through the 50 or 60 years presumably of a marriage. Uh, and they may be sexual with others or they may not. But you know it's not about passion and fire and fuck, 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 not even at first. So I just want to put that out there that I'm not necessarily against what you're proposing. Okay. But I want to challenge you on this idea that you're – how old are you roughly? 21. Okay. Have you ever dated a dude? Um, not for long term. Maybe like a month. Okay. But you have gone out on dates with dudes, like movies, yeah. hold hands, make out, romance, not just hooking up on Grindr or Dudes Nude or something and furtively getting it on as quickly as possible and being so drenched in shame you had to bolt. Right. Yeah. I've been on lots of casual dates with guys. Okay. Uh, and you've, you say you've, you, you know, you've been with women, but the quote, physical attraction wasn't there as much. Please define as much. Do you mean as much or not at all? Um, there have been women that, that, I don't know, that my body has reacted to, um, but the percentage is, is very low compared to men. And when you say body has reacted to, you got naked with them and you got an erection? Basically, yeah. And when you were, did you have sex with them? No. So you've never – have you ever had an orgasm with a woman? Um, no, I've not. 
Okay, so you've sort of pressed your young, horny body up against another biped vertebrate human mammal, and the physiological response was schwing. Yes. And you did that at an age, at a time in most men's lives when if they pressed their body up against a warm wall, they'd get an erection. Yeah, possibly. So you may – I'm not telling you that you're not like attracted to some women or you may not even be a little bi or Kinsey 5 or Kinsey 2, whatever it is I can ever remember. I'm just saying you may not because of your upbringing, because of the faith which in you, within you, you know, that you were raised in and the homophobia, you might not want to attach too much importance to what could have been just a physiological popped boner as opposed to a sign from God. Okay. Um, you know, I think when you say, you know, when I hear young gay guys or, or young bi guys or young guys who may not want to define themselves as gay or bi or straight or anything right now, say some of the things that you've said to me about, you know, they haven't really connected emotionally, romantically with a man and yet they have this – they love women. They find women much more easily, you know, relatable. They have this rapport with women. What I hear often is the stakes are so high with men and I haven't met a guy that I clicked with yet. But I had, but it's easy with women, and the reason it's easy with women is there's not a lot at stake because you're really not romantically attracted to them. Yeah. So it's easy to be easy with somebody and feel comfortable with somebody when there's nothing at stake, when it, their sort of attraction to you or rejection of you isn't going to hurt. Easy to be vulnerable. Yeah, and so guys, particularly, you know, all that male fear of intimacy shit, uh, that applies to gay guys too. You know, when you're dating these guys or, or pursuing these guys, you feel much more vulnerable. The walls go up, the defenses go up, and you may be misreading that as I just can't connect romantically or emotionally with a man. And what it is is you haven't yet met the man that you could or you may not be at a point in your young life where you're ready to because you're still throwing up too much – internalized homophobia force field to go there. Yeah. So I'm not telling you you can't be, you know, that you you may have nailed it. You may be one of those guys who can is can be physically intimate with men and is totally like bi uh, or gay when it comes to sexuality, sexual expression, desire, what makes your dick hard. Uh, but your everything romantic orientation is for women and if you can find a woman that you're into who wants to sign off on that uh, and you guys can live together and she can fuck the occasional dude who is dying to bang her and you can fuck all the dudes you want to. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Don't go – don't do that though if you're doing it because of Moroni. Okay. okay. You know, it's still a sin. Moroni is still going to throw up. You're not going to get your own planet yeah. in the end if that's the reason you married and you're still fucking a lot of dudes. Uh-huh. What do you masturbate about? Pardon? What do you masturbate about? When you when you jerk off, what's going through your brain? Uh, it's men, yeah. Exclusively? Uh, yes, pretty oh, much. Okay, uh, I think you're probably gay. Okay. And I just think you should give this some. You're, and you're also only twenty one. You don't yeah. have to sign on the gay botted, dotted line, and you don't have to marry this girl just now. If mm-hmm. you know, if she's never going to be with anybody else because she just doesn't feel like she can connect with a straight guy in the way that she can connect with you, and you're never going to form a long-term romantic attachment to a sex partner because you can't fall in love with men, you guys will still be single in 10 years. Yeah. And then that's plenty of time to get married and crank out some companionate marriage babies together, and you'll have plenty of time to hang out and enjoy life together. There's no rush. Give it a decade. 
Yeah. Let okay. her see if there, you know, don't let her, because of her look, sell herself short and assume that no straight guy could ever love her and that there aren't any straight guys out there that she finds attractive who she represents their particular physical ideal. She very well may. Mm-hmm. Give her a chance to find the whole package, romantic and sexual love with someone. And give yourself a chance to find that whole package too. Okay. Okay? Yeah. I will do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it some time. At least a decade. Sometime does not mean sophomore year or junior year. It means a decade. Okay. 31. If you marry before 31, I'm going to be scanning the papers of Arizona, Utah, <laughs> Texas, and British Columbia. If I see any Mormon boys marrying in the next year uh, okay. who are 21, I'm going to show up at the wedding and make sure it is not you. <laughs> All right. I'll keep in touch. Okay. Good luck. Thank you. Hey, Dan, calling about Podcast 275 and the woman who's been having issues with birth control. You forgot one. Uh, vasectomy. Uh, my pilot partner had a hard time with hormonal um, birth control and made her kind of crazy. Diaphragms are very uh, not fun in the moment. IUDs were falling out or getting crooked or whatever. And so it got snipped, and uh, I love it. Hi, Dan. I'm calling in regards to podcast number 275 about the guy who had problems with dating big girls because his family would make fun of him. Thank you for not letting him off the hook because he can shove it up his ass. Uh, As a bigger girl, I've run into this issue a lot where guys try to hide me or they don't want their friends to meet me, and it's absolute bullcrap, and I'm so proud of you for not letting him get away with it. So from a curvy girl, thanks a lot, Dan. Love the podcast. Hi, Dan. Um, I just listened to the most recent podcast with Ira Glass, and I'm in my car driving back from a work engagement, and I just wanted to say that I'm a huge uh, Savage Love fan and a huge This American Life fan, and hearing Ira Glass use the word cock has got to be the highlight of my day. I probably should have opened the show ranting about Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is upon us, our brief national nightmare. Uh, and I, I'm going to get the letters. I'm going to get the calls the next day from people who are worried because they went out for a big meal uh, with their significant other. He took me to a fancy restaurant. Uh, she bought me a bottle of my favorite scotch. Uh, and we had a big heavy meal and drank. And then, gosh, God darn it, we went home and we didn't fuck. Does that mean we're not in love? Does that mean the relationship's over? Does that mean the dinner was this lie? Uh, folks. Fuck first. That's our motto here at the Savage Lovecast when it comes to Valentine's Day. Fuck first. Come home at 6 o'clock or get the goddamn babysitter if you have kids and go go somewhere else. Go in your car. Fuck first. Make a dinner reservation for 9 o'clock, for 10 o'clock. They're going to be easier to get a 10, 10, 30 dinner reservation and fuck first. You'll work up an appetite. You'll get to sit there in the restaurant knowing that your work here is done. You'll sit there with that post-sex glow. You'll be able to drink and laugh without worrying that you're going to get too tired or feel too bloated or full to fuck because you will have already fucked. Fuck first. That's our motto when it comes to Valentine's Day. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the Fuck First Podcast. If you'd like to give us a call uh, and ask a question or make a comment, that's the number again, 206-201-2720. Uh, I blog all the time at slog.thestranger.com. You should follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. And if you want to leave a comment for on a particular show and you're worried that we're not going to broadcast your comments, it's too incendiary or confrontational and you're really going to let me have it, you can go to 
thestranger.com slash lovecast, which is a common thread dedicated to each and every show. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. We'll have a show out next week on Valentine's Day, but in advance, happy Valentine's Day. We love love here at the Lovecast. We just want you to fuck first. And if you don't fuck first, if you don't take my advice, if you go out for that heavy meal and you have a bottle of wine, a key lime pie and some creme brulee and then you don't fuck don't write me the next day 206-201-2720 that's the number me and the tech savvy at risk youth we'll be back at you next week another installment of the savage love cast thanks for fucking first <laughs>